let's work out the most effective people strategy. The people strategy, which then overlays into the right people doing the right work at the right cost. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to episode 243 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In the last episode, episode 242, Nick Sinclair of Tour Global already shared quite a few insights into offshoring. In this episode, we will look at how to actually run your overseas team. It is a very short episode, so we will only scratch on the surface for now. But Nick already shares a lot of valuable insights. How you actually integrate a team into your local team. What does best practice look like working with an overseas team? And second question, if you think of your star client, What do they manage really well? What potholes do they avoid? Yeah, so best practice, I suppose the easiest way to summarize what I call best practice is that you treat them just like any other team member. It's just another office that you have and that office happens to be in the Philippines. So where firms really do it well is they integrate their global team with their local team so that it is one overall team and that one team is representing that business. So where clients don't do it well is the complete opposite to that, where they just send them a job and they think of them as an, you know, an outsourced worker or overseas worker, and they just send the work and hope that the work will come back. So, yeah, I think, you know, if I look at the best clients that make it really work is they, they treat it like a normal team member. So they, you know, they'll have training plans, learning plans. They do regular reviews. They manage them as they would manage their local team. They, they treat them no differently. And I think there's no special software setup, etc. The overseas team really just links into whatever software the local team uses. Yeah, so whatever, yeah, and that's one of the benefits is that whatever software or setup you have for your own local team, that's what your global team uses. So it's mm. definitely one of the benefits of it. The biggest requirement for starting to work with an overseas team is that you need to start working in the cloud. If you still have everything on a local server, then you're not ready for an overseas team yet. I wouldn't say you're not ready yet. We've got a significant amount of clients that still are server-based. They just dial in as a remote desktop, so they dial in remotely into their server and work in that environment. Is it the ideal? No. Does it still work? Yes. What is you know, best practice will definitely, the more cloud-based you are, the easier it is. You know, during these times that we're going through now, a lot of businesses are finding that, you know, if they had cloud-based applications, they could literally mobilize and work from home a lot easier than the ones where they're still old school server-based. You can still do it. You definitely can. It is a little bit more complex. What are the most common KPIs you see your clients using successfully? Is there is there a common KPI that most of the successful ones seem to be using? Look, to be honest, most of the, and this is for a typical, I mean, 80% of our industry, the stats show that 80% of the industry have less than 20 employees. So if you look at a typical firm, the main KPI I've seen probably coming into play over the last couple of years is jobs out. So how many jobs are they getting out of their office every week? So that's probably the main KPI. But if you break it down to the different roles that we have, each of those roles will, I mean, bookkeeping have, you know, transactions per hour, accuracy. So it really depends on the role. But from a business point of view, most of them are looking at the number of jobs they're getting out the door each day and each week. Coming up, 
coming back to your star client, I can imagine the most common mistakes you see is exactly what you already hinted at, treating your overseas team like and like like they are out of space. They basically just send a message from Houston and then wait for a signal back, but not to integrating them correctly. Is that the main mistake you see or are there others? I put it down to, if you look at it locally, if you were to employ someone and on their first day, you basically walked them into your office, you put them in a boardroom, you gave them a bunch of files in, and a computer and you said, good luck and walked away. And that's the same as how, you know, where it doesn't work is when you just send an email with these are the 15 things I want you to do on the job and that's your only communication. So you wouldn't just put someone in a boardroom and, and say good luck. It's likewise when you got someone overseas, how you communicate and how you manage them is just as critical as it is locally. And that reminds me of something. I listened to quite a few of the podcasts you did in 2018 on the uh, TOA Global podcast, which are really good. And I noticed that quite a few of your clients mentioned that they had flown their new TOA members out to Australia to train them. And I thought that is a great sign of trust from these clients into you because of course when you take the normal attrition within the philippines what's the average attrition in the philippines among accounting staff 30 40 percent yeah it can be that high it depends on the industry i mean some other industries are significantly higher but yeah the accounting space is probably somewhat around there when you are facing an attrition of 30 to 40 percent of course you don't spend thousands of dollars flying them to australia if you know you have a high chance of them being gone next year but the fact that a lot of your clients fly their new staff out to australia it shows a great amount of trust, I think, in the relationship, in your low attrition rate. Yeah, I think it's also, I mean, if you look at attrition, like even if you look at our overall attrition rate, it's definitely skewed between the clients that manage their team really well. Like we've had some clients that have been clients now for coming up to seven years and they've got teams of, you know, 10 to, 10 to 12 with us in the Philippines and 10 to 12 in Australia and they've never lost a team member with us. So, you know, we've got, I call them a problem client that, you know, they've got two team members with us and they've had seven staff in the last 12 months and they've only got two with us. They just can't, the way that they treat their team, we ended up firing that client because the way that they treat their team and the way that they manage their team just didn't fit with our values and our way of doing things. And because of that, they just had significant turnover. They just didn't treat their team well, which meant they had turnover. So a lot of it comes back to how well, they're managed. Okay, so you see quite a lot of difference from client to client. Oh, definitely. The rate. Part of that's what we try to manage is obviously teaching people how to manage their team so that we don't have that. Because I think your attrition rate is between 9 and 11%, which I think of which 3% is people leaving on their own desire, which I assume comes back to those clients. And then the other 8%, I think, is around you firing them. Yeah, look, some of it, I mean, you definitely have your performance-related attrition and then you have people that are leaving for... Family reasons. Yeah, for all family reasons, working overseas. Um, and some of them is that the client that they're working with, with us, they don't have any opportunity to grow with them. And, and that's what we spend a lot of our time training our clients on is that, you know, these team members are, are, are no different to anyone in Australia. They want to know what their future is, what their career path is with you. And, and if you don't lay that out and map out what their future is with you, they're not going to stay working for you. We identify that with clients, which team members we believe are at risk based on, you know, BI and a range of other, you know, data that how do we help 
to educate them on managing a team because most people just are not good at that. They don't have those conversations. Yeah, look, I think the main thing is with when you're looking at what is the best option for your business, it's really around taking a longer term view. And it all comes back to the biggest challenge that we find that accountants and bookkeepers have is that they don't actually have a people strategy in place. They don't have a plan of what are the people that they need to deliver the capacity that they have now, but more importantly, the capacity in three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months. So no one really looks forward around, these are the roles that we need within the business. People just get busy and then they're like, all right, we need another senior accountant or we need another accountant. They never actually map out their people strategy, which then overlays into the right people doing the right work at the right cost. And that's largely where a lot of firms become, they have the challenges because they just, they've never thought about it that way. They've never thought about, all right, well, let's work out the most effective people strategy. Welcome back. So treat your overseas team as if they were sitting in the cubicle or room next to you. I forgot to ask Nick about something else, and that is the paradigm between technology and offshoring. Technology versus offshoring. Technology as in apps and streamlining processes. It is easy to think of them as opposites when you look for efficiency gains. You either streamline processes or you offshore and reduce your costs this way or the other. But my understanding is, and I would have loved to get Nick's input on this, my understanding is that technology and offshoring actually go hand in hand. For successful offshoring, you need streamlined processes. If you don't have clear processes and it is unclear who is doing what, when and how, and if you don't have a well-designed app stack, so apps that are well integrated with each other and talk to each other, then offshoring, I think, can easily end up in a big mess and confusion. But with a clear process, apps well stacked together, you create an environment where teams, be they local or overseas, can work well together. So it is not technology or offshoring, but technology and offshoring. By the way, Nick has his own podcast where he interviews Tor clients about their offshoring experiences. Here's a quick soundbite of his intro. Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. This is a great podcast. Give it a go. It is a little bit rose-colored at times, but there are a lot of valuable insights that Nick and his clients share. And you might remember Mike O'Hagan of Mini Movers in episode 44 of Text Talks. Mike O'Hagan is an Australian entrepreneur. He founded Mini Movers and other ventures, and he has various back offices in the Philippines. So he set up his own offices very happily shares his experiences and knowledge around offshoring. He does tours and he does a lot of podcast interviews. So have a listen to episode 44 when you can. Here's just a quick cut to give you a first idea. It's sort of related the same way. Outsourcing is when you give a process uh, to a third party and you just get back a result. 
Now, you can outsource in your own country, you can outsource up the road, or you can outsource overseas. For instance, most small businesses in Australia outsource their accountancy work to an accountant. So they give the accountancy accountants their raw data and the accountants uh, do, run their processes and just give them back the result. Generally speaking, you don't know who's doing the work, which is fine, and that can be done for overseas. Offshoring is when you get work done overseas, and there's a whole lot of different ways around doing that. So offshoring started 25 years ago when the large corporates outsourced and they went to cheap countries and they did initially voice and then later data and back back office processes. And um, that was outsourcing. They uh, A third party got in the middle because they didn't want to incorporate in those countries and, and, and a corporate outsourcer became the big norm in the offshoring industry. The industry moved along and 25 years ago, it's changed a long time to today, the internet's allow and cloud-based solutions have allowed small businesses to now be involved in offshoring. And about 10 years ago, a new couple of new models emerged. One was the home-based person, freelancer, and the other one was co-managed space where you could have your own people in your own space. So today, most small businesses in, in a Western world have the choice of using a freelancer at home, um, which are good for small people, they have the choice of using co-managed space and building a team and, and they go to the office every day, which is by far the most productive way of doing it. They have a source, they have a choice of using a specialised service to run the processes for them, which is the old-fashioned outsourcing model. Uh, I think you have to understand that they don't understand Australia. They don't understand the fundamentals of Australia and certainly don't understand the specifics of Australia in most cases. And as long as you Australianise them or, or to your own country, Americanise them, whatever you need, you can end up with a brilliant team. Average wage, probably 130 Australian dollars a week. Uh, cost is probably in the order of probably $1,500, $1,700 a month all up. That includes the office space and the computers and the management, everything. That can, that's, that $1,500 to $1,700 is an all-up cost of absolutely everything per seat that you've got up here. There's a massive, massive oversupply of qualified accountants, graduates, accountancy graduates coming into the market in the Philippines. The numbers are enormous. And a different topic again. You might remember Ed Chen of Chen and Naylor in episode 204 and 205 and 206. We did quite a few episodes with him, which I highly recommend. I think they were really, really good episodes. And in those episodes, Ed Chen talks about his offshore team and the setup he has there. Chen and Naylor uses Tour Global. So I thought his comments might be relevant. So here are a few cuts from our episodes with Ed Chen. Where do you outsource to? All over the place. Oh, I see. So you don't have a back office in the Philippines or in India? No, we, we don't have our own back office. We just go to... Different providers. Di different providers. And they're sitting yes. in different countries for different work. Correct. We do, at the moment predominantly use the Philippines and the reason for that is because... Same time zone, good English. Correct. It's an American education system that they've grown yes. up with. Very good work ethic. They have this uh, really good attitude of, you know, they're very um, grateful, like this grateful attitude that you're helping them, which you don't get with local staff sometimes. Was it 
staff you have, mm. that 160 staff is in Australia. In Australia. Oh, uh, yes, in the Philippines we've got, I think we've got 16 or something. Oh, okay. So it's still relatively small in comparison to the oh, yes, 150 yes. staff yes, you have yes, in Australia. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the staff you have in the Philippines, are they your staff in terms of you could take them out of the um, provider or they are the provider's staff and the provider gives you the staff and if somebody leaves, they give you a new Yes, person. it's like that. Yeah, they manage all So it's all not the- seat leasing where you basically put the person on the chair, you get the chair and the person. We do. They work predominantly for us. We pay their wages and we pay a seat fee to cover the HR issues, the um, computers, the security, the training. So we pay a monthly fee for that, but we pay them the salary. Do you know how much you pay per person per month? For the seat fee? Yeah, or for, the for the seat fee and the salary and then also the overhead. I think, because I'm not at that level, uh, Heidi, mm. so I'm just guessing here. Um, yes. I think the seat fee is around $700 a month. Per I person? Think, per person. The salary is between 1200 or 1000 a month to maybe 1500 a month, I think. I don't know. I'm not at that level, so I'm just, just yes. guessing, just listening to what the yeah, officers are saying, yes, mm. so it's around that kind of thing. And then is there another fee or that's the two fees? Oh, and there's a recruitment fee, so you need to pay a recruitment fee and then that's pretty much it. There might be a deposit, I think. You might have to put a deposit down, I think. Yeah. I think that's about it. So yeah. you pay about $2,000 to 2300 mm. $2,400 per month. Yes. Looking at your staff, you have 160 staff and then you have 16 staff overseas, of which four work in marketing, so that means you have 12 production staff. Looking into the near future, which one do you think will grow more, your staff in Australia or your staff overseas? Because of the ratio of, of client managers to grinders, the staff overseas, because they're, they're all grinders over there. So I can see that growing much faster than the, the local staff because the local staff will end up being client managers or assistant client managers or senior production managers. But the rest of the grinders, the junior grinders, the bookkeepers, that will be all overseas, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. So the long-term idea is that the client manager is in Australia, but all at least three or four, possibly all five grinders will be overseas. Correct. episode episode 244 amy holdsworth and ian walker of clarity street will talk about core apps for accountants so talking specifically about you and your practice what software should sit right in the middle of your accounting practice your app ecosystem until then thank you for listening and thank you to class for the support bye for now and see you in the next episode Can I ask you something completely off the topic? Because especially since I now had this problem with my brand new headset, could you give me the um, brand and model of the headset you give to every team member? Because I think you give a headset to every team member. Yeah, so we use, I think, I can't ever say the name right, Platronics in the Philippines. I mean, we buy hundreds of those, I mean, a hundred at least every month. So they're called Platronics. For myself personally, I use Logitech. And only because, I mean, this headset I'm wearing today, I, I use this for podcasts and and the quality of this is at a, a lot higher standard, obviously, to be able to record audio and I do all of my video recordings and that with this. So 
I use Logitech, but majority of our workforce use the Plantronics. 